got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeb here, and in today's video, we are asking the question, is Bitcoin about to be approaching max pain, and does that mean the bottom is in? Now hang on, before you click off the stream and you start saying, Jeb, you're spreading FUD, you're saying Bitcoin's going down to $20,000, I don't wanna lose all my cryptocurrency. Let me just explain what max, pain what max pain means. Max pain essentially just means that you've hit the bottom and everybody's freaking out, and normally whenever you hit the bottom, everyone starts freaking out, and it's actually a bottoming signal. So what we're talking about today is, is Bitcoin Bitcoin about to drop below $40,000 again, maybe hit a new low around thirty-seven dollars to $39,500, hit that max pain point, and then slingshot right back up into a new uptrend, moving us towards all-time high by the end of the quarter. That's what we're going to be talking about today, and we're also going to be doing some technical analysis on some of your favorite cryptocurrencies. We're talking about eGold, we're talking about a couple of others, such as uh, Near and also Matic, and then we're also going to be talking about none other than Jerome Powell, who is up for reappointment for the Federal Reserve. And a very interesting quote that he said. Let me just go ahead and read this to you. Quote, and I quote, we know that high inflation exacts a toll, particularly for those less able to meet the higher costs of essentials like food, housing, and transportation, Powell said in a testimony according to the Associated Press. I say, easy fix institute a hashtag Bitcoin standard. Go retweet that tweet over on my Twitter. But before we get into the show, I do want to introduce everybody. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend, T.A. Tam. How you doing, Tam? What's up, everybody? How about them Bulldogs? Uh, <laughs> boring first half, but they closed it out well. I, I don't, not really a Georgia fan, but anytime you can steal a win from Bama, I'm, uh, I'm was there like a you. Was so, there like a dog race or something? I'm, something like that, you know, yeah. the college football national championship. Wait, so you're telling me the Bulldogs beat the Bama lost. Bama lost? Bama lost. First time in 15 15 years, huh, Tim? They had me in the first half. They had but, you in the first uh, half. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Sounds Georgia, good. Georgia pulled out the W. Well, it was fun. There you go. Georgia won once for once against Alabama. But we're also joined, as always, by Smay, who roots for an even worse team than Georgia. I'm sorry. I'm I'm throwing all kinds of shade because I'm an Alabama fan. What's up, Smay? Um, <laughs> the pause for effect. I would like to... Uh, <laughs> I would just like to say I'm doing pretty good. My legs are pretty sore. I had a good workout uh, yesterday. Um, and I would like to take this moment to shout out members. I love the members. I love the members so much. Guys. I love the members, too. I really do. Like, they are the most important part of my life. And I would like to say uh, shout out to Mike the Humble Swede. What's up, Mike? Christopher McFarland and Alexandre Inacio. You guys are so awesome. We love you. You're the best. Awesome. Amazing. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your continued support of the Crypto Jab channel here. It really does mean a whole heck of a lot. But let's bring it to a table of two Taylors. Taylor, how are you doing? Let's start with Miss Taylor. Mrs. Taylor, excuse me. How are you doing, Taylor? I'm doing great, Jeb. My legs are also very sore because mm. I also worked out with Tim and Smay. I usually do, although they usually don't say that I'm also included in the workout. So I would just huh. like to say... I did work out with them. <laughs> she did. Well, I'm I'm very happy for you, but I just gotta read a I gotta read a message real quick, uh, chat real quick here. Um, Eric Browning said that skate park hairdo though. Are, are we talking about Smay? Or are we talking about like who has a skate park hairdo? Who do we think it is? I think it's Smay. It's gotta be Smay. It's, it's gotta probably be Smay. me. Smay, do you skate? 
That no, or a samurai. I don't. I don't. You don't? No. Or a samurai. Yeah, that's true. You kind of look like a samurai with a little with a little man bun thing going on there. But Taylor Shrum, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. I am extremely dehydrated and uncaffeinated, but I'm doing well. <laughs> that sounds like a great sounds like a great place to be in for the stream today, guys. Very much appreciate everybody tuning in. Like I said, we got some great content coming up. It's going to be a wonderful show. We got a lot of stuff to bring to your attention. But before we get started, we are going to go ahead and jump on to coin market cap and we're going to see what the rest of the cryptocurrency space is doing right now as you guys know bitcoin's trading around $41,700 we take a look over here at the chart we can see that that is actually updating in real time at the moment it looks like we're sitting around 41,000 bitcoin had a pretty substantial drop back on the 5th of january it had a major drop down to $39,600 yesterday right around the time we were streaming actually and then it bounced relatively heavily i'm going to be honest with you guys and i'd love to hear tim's thoughts on this in a second i actually think we're going to see more drops and i do actually think bitcoin is going to go a little bit lower and when it does that that's going to be something that, you know, one, you can look at it as a buying opportunity or two, you can look at it as a bad thing. I personally think it's a decently good thing, but it is something that's going to be up to your own perspective. Ethereum's currently sitting above $3,000, around $3,100, sitting at 5% uh, 5% up on the day. Binance Coin up 8%, Solana up 3.69%, Cardano sitting at $1.15. Tell me in chat, do you guys think Cardano at $1.14 is a buy or a pass? Tim, do you, let me, let me send it to you really quickly. Do you think Cardano at $1.14 is a buy or a pass? Uh, it's a buy. It depends on what you're trying to do, but it's a buy, if, especially if you're willing to be patient and let it run its course. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Well, let me also ask you this question while we're going here. Do you think that Bitcoin is going to pull back down into that 37 to 39 and a half region that we're talking about? Because we're going to get into that more in our TA, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I said this the other day. I don't believe so. I think if we see a $37,000 price, we're also probably going to see a 35 and potentially 32 or 30. I, I don't see it dropping to 37 and then finding that as the bottom. I think that there, if there's going to be a fake out in the 30s, at a high 30, the 39.6 is the level. I think we could touch it, again, looking at these volume levels. Um, however, if we touch 37, I just would not be surprised to go ahead and go down to 30. Uh, look, look at the technicals. There's just not – any argument you would make to say we need to break through the 39.6 level is a good argument to say we need to go down to like 32. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. That's something that we're going to discuss a little bit more here. But let's go ahead and keep going here on our coin market cap uh, overview of the market. Right now, we do actually have a lot of gainers. And this is one of the things that actually gives me a good bit of confidence in the market right now, guys. A lot of cryptocurrencies, a lot of altcoins are doing particularly well right now. Oasis Network being an example of 30%. I believe this means that it has jumped into the top 100. Near Protocol sitting up uh, rank number 20, up 17%. Polygon Matic is up 12.5% today. And eGold up 10% as well. We're about to look at Near and eGold along with another, and we're going to be taking a look at whether or not those are projects that we want to be getting into right now. Terra USD is down. We also see all the stable coins are down, but funnily enough, over the last 24 hours, guys, everything is actually pretty much up. And the reason I believe that is happening is because we saw a major sell-off yesterday. A lot of people are buying the dip, and it has meant that we are able to rally because remember, exactly 24 hours ago, which is what CoinMarketCap is measuring against, we were quite a bit lower. So it actually makes sense that everything is up over the last 24 hours. But let's go ahead and take a look at Near Protocol. You guys are always talking about this one. This isn't one that we see quite as much as some other projects, but we do see this in the biggest gainers, biggest losers list quite frequently. And we also see you guys asking about it every once in a while. 
near over US dollars right now is sitting at number 20 on coin market cap as we saw earlier and it's currently in a massive ascending wedge you can see it's got an ascending trade uh, ascending level of resistance that is currently testing and an ascending level of support the very first thing that jumps out at me when I look at this chart is that this chart is sitting at or near an all-time high while the rest of the cryptocurrency market is down and that's actually not a very great thing if you're looking to invest in this project because there are so many cryptocurrencies that are great projects that I do believe are going to have very strong futures that are down 60, 70, 80% from their all-time high, but near protocol sitting up here at its all-time high, and it's already at rank 20. It's already got $10 billion market capitalization, so it's going to be very difficult for you to earn as much money on near protocol investing in the cryptocurrency that is uh, rather than being able to invest in something like a polka dot or a cardano which are down you know 50 60 70 percent from all-time high luna's down a little bit from all-time high polka dots down 60 percent from all-time high avalanche down i want to say about uh, 35 40 percent from all-time high so you're going to have a bit of a hard time um, finding great gains in near protocol so personally speaking <clears throat> if you were looking to get into near i would say only be going anywhere near it i'm but sorry i had to we, we had to spice it up a little bit right we got to keep it interesting over here anytime you're going to go near a cryptocurrency that is at all-time high while the rest of the cryptocurrency market's in a major downtrend and it's already uh worth 10 billion dollars and sitting in the top 20 you should probably only be getting in that project if you're looking to invest in it tim would you agree with my methodology yeah. there the, the the what i was going to say Full is screen. you know obviously i don't i don't know the fundamentals of near i don't know what their project is working on currently to develop so there is an argument to say hey maybe maybe near is doing some really cool things. The problem, however, is no matter how cool a project is to give what Jeb was saying extra weight, the mass majority of people do not look at projects for their technology. They look at them as a store of value. And what Jeb is saying is true. When you have a coin that is at its all, pretty darn close to its all-time high against other projects that are really low, the average person looking for a store of value or the ability to make money is going to take their profits from near protocol and go move it into a project like Cardano that's sitting stupidly low below an all-time high because they think they can make more money there. To be fair, again, I don't know what near protocol does. It might be the coolest project in the world with great technology. And in years to come, we can make the argument, hey, guys, forget this. The technology is cool. They're developing. The pride can keep going on. But right now, while the mass psychology of the market is everything is a store of value, it's not at a great place to continue to make profit. Yeah, I would agree with that. You just want to be careful about getting into these cryptocurrencies when they are this far uh, to the upside when the rest of the cryptocurrency market is down. But with that said, let's take another look at another cryptocurrency that you guys are always also talking about, one that I believe T-Shrim is a relatively big fan of. Is that right, T-Shrim? The name? is Elrond eGold. Is that one that you've worked in before? It's definitely one that I've worked in and it's encouraging to see that it's having a little bit of movement to the upside. But uh, absolutely, in, in terms of uh, like what I've done with it, I've mostly only purchased it to stake on uh, the Mier network. At one, point, at one point, it was getting a crazy amount of staking rewards, wasn't it? It was, and that is no longer the case. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Well, there you go, guys. One of the fundamentals that you got to keep in mind with Elrond is that its staking is going to be one of the big things that drives investment into it. Take a T-Shroom, for example. The reason he got into Elrond, I would say, I don't mean I don't want to speak for you, but you tell me if I'm wrong, was for the sake of the staking. And if you're not able to make money staking it, then why would you have your money in that cryptocurrency? So you, you, any cryptocurrency that uh, its value proposition has anything to do with staking, you need to be very careful because if the staking rewards go down too much and they're now uncompetitive because an Ave came along or a, you know another project came along, it's going to be difficult for that project to retain its price. But taking a look at eGold itself here, as far as its chart is concerned, it was in an ascending wedge right here. That broke bullish, which is actually about only 30% of the time. Normally, you'll break bearish here. But... 
the technical analysis came around and we did eventually actually break to the downside. But now we're in a falling wedge and it looks like we're going to break to the upside. So this is a really interesting chart. We had an ascending wedge break in the wrong direction. Then we have a falling wedge that hopefully doesn't break in the wrong direction because if it broke in the wrong direction, it'd be breaking down. I think that we're going to see a break to the upside here, but I think it is also going to be contingent on the rest of the cryptocurrency markets. This is a crypto that I'm talking about that's down 65%. This is a much better buy just simply uh, by looking at things like its RSI than some of these other projects because it's already so low. It's already had such major retracements. So if you're looking to invest in eGold, what I would encourage you to do is take a close look at its value prop, which a lot of it is staking. See how much rewards there are going on. How many people are moving into the staking, moving out of the staking, and see are people using it for this purpose? And if they are, at the time that you look at this, if you watch this video in a year, that rel- that that advice, if you will, is still the same. It's not financial advice, but it is advice to go and research and do your due diligence. I will give you that advice. Make sure that you research a project, its value proposition, and especially how that value proposition is playing out over the course of the last certain amount of time, the last six months, last two years, last 10 years, if we're looking at Bitcoin. Now, the final project that we're going to look at here is Matic. Matic is a cryptocurrency that you guys are also always asking about. It's almost like we're always getting questions about altcoins and we're trying to cover as many as possible. Now, Matic is a cryptocurrency that is extremely powerful. Polygon is a layer two and it helps in a lot of different ways. It's on the Ethereum chain and it helps Ethereum to speed up transactions and you can send transactions through the Polygon network and it actually makes a lot of sense as sitting at rank number 13. There's been an argument in the past that Ethereum 2.0 would make Polygon gone uh, not very useful anymore. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it might change the value proposition of Polygon a little bit, but I do think it's a good project and it has provided a lot of value to the Ethereum layer one uh, chain. It's currently sitting at $15 billion market capitalization and we're going to take a very quick, quick, quick look at its market. This is one of those projects that kind of defies trends. When we were in the downtrend in May, yeah, it pulled back 78%, but it rallied right back up there and over the last two months that Bitcoin's been going down, we've been going up. Ever since Bitcoin Bitcoin hit an all-time high back here around early November. We've just been rallying on Matic. So Matic right now is only down about 29% from all-time high, and it hit all-time high just on Christmas. So it's only been there for like two weeks. So Matic right now has some very important support, an uptrend right here and a downtrend right there. If it holds both of these, great. Boom sauce will move to the upside. If it doesn't, we're going to move to the downside. You need to pay close attention to this intersection right here. If you're looking to invest in Matic, you're definitely getting a better price a year ago, but a year ago isn't here anymore. I do think it's a solid project. I do think it'll grow. I would personally look at Matic more like a blue chip, more like a large cap altcoin that's going to help uh, sustain and solidify and lay a foundation for your portfolio. I wouldn't be jumping into a Matic expecting another 10x because it going to $150 billion is something that's probably going to happen in the future, but you're probably going to find that 10x a little bit easier in a smaller cap cryptocurrency, maybe down looking at the 20, 30, 40 region rather than looking at something like Matic, which if I recall correctly is sitting at number 13. Now, with that said, we're going to go into our first period of super chats here, and then we're going to jump into Bitcoin. Guys, we got a lot of content to cover, and we're going to move through it quick. By the way, if you haven't already, make sure to smash the daylights out of that like button, guys. Let's see if we can't get to 1,000 likes right off the bat. It helps to promote this video and this channel and the algorithm, and we're very appreciative for everyone who has tuned in. We're trying to teach you not what to think, but how to think. We want to bring you high-quality coverage, information, and education on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency markets so that you can achieve financial sovereignty over your life. Let's do it. You know, before we do that, I just want to uh, remind people and, and bring it back up. The, the one thing with Matic that we should be concerned with, and I want to see how they continue to respond to this, was the hack they had, what was it, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago? 
something yeah. like that. Uh, you know, the price it doesn't look like the price has been too heavily affected there, but that is something that we need to make sure people keep in mind is that Matic, I'm assuming their team is working heavily to prevent that from happening again, but we need to see updates on that before right. we uh, be heavily heavily look at that project as a good investment. The other thing, obviously, with Matic is, you know, Matic is the one that's working with uh, Ethereum that uh, if Ethereum 2.0 launches, Matic's going to be almost... They I have some other things working on as a team, but like that's their big thing is they they handle their big thing is transaction throughput yeah. and scalability for the Ethereum 2.0 network. I think they're still going to find use case, but ideas yeah. it is going to it is going to necessitate a major retooling of the network. Their, their specialness will will be yeah. kind of hit. But anyway, uh, yeah, we I think Taylor. You're going to take this over again. For anyone who's new, I uh, used to do the Super Chats, and I'll do them from time to time, but as when Taylor's on the show, uh, Taylor is the customer service rep, so she's the one interacting with you guys. When you guys email us and do stuff, you're talking to her, so we thought it'd be great to have her on the show and do the Super yeah. Chats. I think so, too. Absolutely. Uh, so we have one from J Bess Entertainment. Just found the show. Very nice. Already a huge fan. Thanks for everything. Quick thoughts on XLM. Hard to want to hodl, but staying long-term mindset on it. Oh, thank you so much for tuning in. I very much appreciate you. Welcome to the channel, my friend. We try and read all of the super chats around here because we're very appreciative of all of the support. The issue with XLM and I'm being I'm going to be honest, I haven't looked into Lumens that much in the last little while, but Lumens is a very similar cryptocurrency to XRP and Ripple and what Ripple Labs is trying to do with XRP, except from my knowledge, it's not doing it as well and the Lumens to the seller Lumens team doesn't have the same number of the same level of connections that the Ripple team has. There's a competition going on there and I don't think Lumens is winning that competition. Yeah. So I would encourage you that if you're looking at Lumens, look at XRP also because they're trying to do a very similar thing. They're trying to help bring banks together. Now there are arguments that, you know, Ripple is for the banks and Lumens are supposed to be for the bank users or for the people and there is a bit of a difference there, but they are in very similar realms. I would encourage you that if you're invested in Lumens and you're studying it for the long term, do a deep dive on Lumens and on Ripple, compare and contrast and figure out which one you think is going to do the best and then put the majority of your investment as far as those are concerned into that. But it is also very important to be diversified into other projects as well. The one thing I would say to anyone arguing with the XRP thing, there is an interview I got to do with uh um, Mark Hamilton, Matt, no, Matt, Hamilton, Matt, Matt Hamilton, Hamilton, who works with them. You know, I, that with was the XRP. argument I had too, that XRP works for the banks. It does in a way, but when what he actually talks about with XRP is the specialness of it, it actually helps the smaller banks. So it's yes. not helping the big, nasty, like, want to control everything. It actually helps the little guys compete with the big banks yeah. to make them affordable. You know, also, I think Stellar Lumen is benefiting very heavily from the SEC continuing to harass it's XRP. It's one of those things, keep an eye on. Lumen could do something else, but if that uh, SEC lawsuit gets handled finally, you know, who knows when, but finally when it does, uh, Lumens might be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Someone someone said Mark Hamill. You interviewed Mark Hamill. Uh, not, yeah. You interviewed Luke Matt Skywalker. Hamilton. Matt Hamilton. Matt. <laughs> I wish that'd be nice. That'd be awesome. Uh, get him to do his Joker voice. I'd love to do Mark Hamill. I'd love to uh, do an interview with Mark Hamill. So let's go ahead and read. And, uh, do we have any? Yeah, we have a couple. I think yeah. we have at least one. Yeah, more. we do. Um, so here's one from Unknown. Very good job. What do you think about Phantom? <laughs> What do I think about Phantom? I think Phantom's a good project. It's one that I haven't done. The um, It's one that I'm not an expert in, so I'm not going to speak on too much, but it is a project that uh, I've heard a lot of good things from. I know a lot yeah. of very intelligent people that are invested in it. I'm not personally invested in it, so it's not one of the ones I keep as close of an eye on, but I do think it's a good project, and I think you'll be it, fine in it. 
Phantom uh, on the TA side just hit its head on the, another flat level resistance. So this is the third time. It's in an ascending triangle at the moment. So we yep. talked about uh, you know, it's also in a longer time frame uh, ascending wedge, but that rising or the ascending trading uh, triangle, excuse me, yeah, I'm showing should here. break. We're going to come down and touch that rising level of support one more time. Yep. And then I expect us to break through on this next one. I think Phantom from a technical yeah. analysis standpoint is sitting in a very good spot. Yeah, it's also got an inverse head and shoulders pattern, as you can see right yeah. here. And yep. it formed a bump and run formation, which we have a downtrend right here, rallied through it, back tested and rallied that's a, this is actually technically speaking a very just from the charting that is a very very good looking setup now you do got to keep in mind things like daily chart bearish macd cross and stuff like that but it looks pretty good technically speaking anyway i think we got time for one more and then we're going to dive straight on into bitcoin Okay, so from Robert Corey, I have been recently adding to ADA and Harmony One. Any views on those investments? Robert, cheers from Switzerland, Robert. So Harmony One and which one, say again? Uh, ADA. ADA. Yeah. ADA, I think, is a phenomenal project and a cryptocurrency that everybody should have in their portfolio. But I'm biased because, of course, I've been talking about ADA for a long time. I have ADA. I just passed a certain milestone with how much ADA I have, and I'm very excited about that because I do think it is a project that's going to do remarkably well moving into the next couple of years. Um, as far as Harmony One is concerned, Harmony One is one that I have researched in the past. I haven't recently. Everything that I've studied on it, I have found it to be a very, very solid project with a very solid use case. If I remember correctly, Harmony One is the one that is working with, um, T-Shrim, correct me if I'm wrong if you know on this, Harmony One is the pro is the project that's working with video sharing and everything, and they're hoping to somehow interface a little bit with, uh, with YouTube and everything. So they are a, a project that has been doing extremely, extremely well. I think it's a solid project. I would just make sure you guys do all your research. And I'm just going to, you know, I tell you guys, I don't know something. I am not an expert in Harmony One, but I do think it's a good project from what I do know. Good questions, guys. Good questions. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump on into Bitcoin technical analysis. If you haven't already, smash that like button. Let's see if we can't get to 1,000 likes in the next couple of minutes. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're so appreciative and honored that you would join us today. What we're about to do is we're going to do some technical analysis on Bitcoin. I'm going to explain that phrase, Max Payne. What does that mean? And could it mean that we're close to the bottom on Bitcoin? That's coming up. Let's go ahead and jump into it. We're going to start on the Bitcoin dominance chart. We're actually going to be looking not at uh, Bitcoin dominance over on CoinMarketCap. We're going to be looking at it over on TradingView. If you didn't know, you can actually look at, at uh, TradingView uh, at, at uh, Bitcoin dominance on TradingView. Normally, people will go here to CoinMarketCap into one of these charts. They've literally just done an API update yesterday, so this is a little bit different than it normally is. There's the dominance. That's what I'm looking for. But if we look over to BTC.D, come to all. Don't go under crypto. It's actually not under crypto. It's under all for some reason. So if you get confused trying to find BTC.D and you're under crypto, go to all, type in BTC.D for dominance. This is a uh, index that is, a, that is created, I believe, by TradingView. It's calculated by TradingView view and it's showing you the to the market history uh, historical dominance of bitcoin so as you know for a very long time bitcoin's dominance sat up here around 95 to 100 percent and now over the last four or five years, ever since right around February of 2017, we actually have some useful market data. And one of the things that you're going to see is that we have bounced three times, well, twice, and right now we're doing a third test on 40% market dominance. That basically just means that if crypto is worth a trillion dollars, which is worth more than that, but bear with me, if it's worth a trillion dollars, then Bitcoin's worth 400 billion. That's what we're talking about with market dominance. In case you've ever heard the term market dominance and you don't know what it means, $10 trillion market, $1 trillion market cap crypto, it's got 10% market dominance. That's just the way it is. It's the the percentage of the market capitalization of one crypto compared to the market capitalization of all cryptos. That's what we're talking about. So 
As far as market dominance and mar uh, uh, on Bitcoin is concerned, it has been in a couple of very powerful downtrends over the course of 2021. We were under one right here in uh, August uh, into September of 2021. Then we bounced and rallied from 40 all the way up to 47. Now we're in a similar place. We're in a falling way, a falling trading channel right here. And just over the last couple of days, we've started to break bullish above this downtrend that we've been under for the last month and a half, last two months or so. This could be indicating that now that Bitcoin has moved down to the bottom, people are buying the dip on Bitcoin, taking profits out of altcoins, putting them down here, and then we are going to see Bitcoin start to regain some market dominance, and that would be a very good thing. Why? The reason is because Bitcoin, when it gets moving, does not stop. Bitcoin is a freight train. It has inertia with 200,000 tons behind it. And whenever Bitcoin gets moving, it is incredibly difficult to change the direction of that thing. It's almost like, you know, people talk about the presidency of the United States like this. It's almost like piloting a massive ship and you got a tiny little rudder. You can't do a whole lot, so you got to be careful with what you do. And that's what we're looking at here with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a very, very, very large ship and it has a very, very small rudder. But whenever you do see a turn start on Bitcoin, is kind of hard to stop. It's a big lumbering ship and it moves very, very, it moves very, it changes direction very slowly. But when it does, it starts moving very fast. And that's what I think we're looking at right now on Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin has the rudder turned and we're starting to curve, you know, to starboard or whatever. And we're starting to move to the upside and we're starting to bounce and we're seeing it on the Bitcoin market dominance. And now we may end up seeing it on the price. So let's talk about the price a little bit. Could we be seeing a major resurgence in Bitcoin market dominance, which would lead to a rally in Bitcoin, which would then lead to a rally in the altcoins and the rest of the cryptocurrency space? I think maybe, and we're going to talk about it. As we can see, Bitcoin, I want to mention this, even though I talked about it yesterday, Bitcoin right now is at the lowest point that it has been on RSI in six months. The last time uh, Bitcoin RSI went below 30 was in May of 2021. Before that, the time before that was March of 2020. So we've just seen RSI hit a local low that we have not seen in six months. And the last time we saw us hit that low, we were not done bottoming out in time. We had another two months of sideways action, but we were basically done bottoming out in price. Notice we had a wick down here to 29,000. Now, then we bottomed out at 29,000, or we had a wick down to 30,000. We wick, we bottomed at uh, 29,500. We basically hit the bottom very early and traded sideways for two months. And that might be what we're looking at right now. That really brings the major question to the table. Is Bitcoin going to fall from here and we're going to move to the downside as you would expect by the fact that this is a uh, uh, falling uh, trading channel and that this is, you know, a bear flag? Should we be expecting a break to the downside with this uh, down to like $35,000 in accordance with everything that we're seeing? Or instead, is Bitcoin going to have a rounded bottom? It's going to come in through here. It's going to rally. And then maybe we see like an inverse head and shoulders pattern forming right here. That looks like a face. That's really cute. Let's give him a nose. There we go. But that might be what we're seeing, guys. Could we see a a big rally forming on Bitcoin. Well, let's run through our technical indicators and get an idea of the situation. First and foremost, I actually want to look at some of the candlestick analysis. If we look at the candlesticks, we can see I'll go ahead and get rid of this vertical line because one of them's right here. One of the things we see, there's a lot to unpack here on these candlesticks, guys, actually. One of the things we see here, and I mentioned this a few days ago, on January the 8th, we saw a major spinning top. This indicates that Bitcoin is going through a period of indecision. What does that mean? Well, that's kind of what it means. It means, what does this mean? That's, that, that's kind of the point. It's like, we don't know. That's the point of a spinning top is indecision. The market doesn't know what it wants to do. It doesn't know, do I want to go bearish? Do I want to go bullish? I don't know. I'm just going to trade sideways. And that 
that's actually not a bad thing because if Bitcoin's moving to the downside, what's what, what do you have to do before you start going to the upside? Well, at some point when you're when you're you know going from bearish over here to bullish over here, at some point you're like vertical and you're somewhere in between. That's what indecision is. So whenever we see candlesticks signaling indecision, oftentimes that's actually a bullish thing if we are already at the bottom of a downtrend. Now, the next thing to point out here is this massively low wick here down to 39,600. Why is this significant? The bulls bought the dip. <laughs> That's why that's significant. The last time the bulls actually bought the dip in a major way was back on December the 6th. And before that, the last time they did was December the 4th. It's been so long since we actually saw the whales, or excuse me, the, the bulls buy the freaking dip and rally the market. We finally saw, no matter how small, a little bit of a V bottom right here. We pulled all the way down and then boom, shot right back up exactly where we started. So that is a, defin a definite point in favor of the bulls. So that's the candlestick analysis. But what are the oscillators saying? Well, we're still sitting down here at 30 on the RSI. And this is where that whole max pain concept comes in. What normally happens whenever you go into a major downtrend, and Tim can tell you all about this also, is that normally, and actually I'm going to bring Tim in here for a second for this, what normally happens is that when you're in a downtrend and you're trying to find a bottom, normally you get to this point that we call max pain. That term is also used in options expiry. I'm not using it in the same way that we use in options expiry, although we are in max pain territory for the options expiry that is coming up Friday. We'll talk about that in another show more than likely. If we don't, it's not that big a deal, but the max pain there is around 44, 46, 48, 50, something like that. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, a little bit lower than that even. So there is max pain coming there too. The max pain that we're talking about is maximal fear, maximal distress, maximal FUD, maximal you know uh, shorting, maximal selling. Whenever everything hits the fan and everybody is convinced a bear market starting tomorrow, oftentimes that's where the bottom is. So Tim, from a Wyckoff standpoint, also from a Tim standpoint, do you agree with that? Do you think we're moving into this period of max pain and what does that mean to you? Yeah, before I even say that, I, I want to address the fact that I, I didn't get to vote in the naming of all this stuff in crypto. There's a lot of really scary names out there. There uh, are. Death crosses, Max Payne. Uh, when you look at the fear and greed index, uh, the more afraid we are, the actually the better it is. So it's like, okay, you would think as a noob, oh, we're at really fear, that's a bad thing. Let's all freak out. Why do we have to name everything that's good so scary and everything that's bad like good really point. nice? It's almost, uh, you know, it, you know, it's funny. I'm not. Let me ask you this: who is who is worse at naming things, astronomers or crypto analysts? I think they tie for worst. Yeah, because astronomers are like, hey, look, it's star four nine six two a four twenty nine. But then the other thing is astronomers come up with really awesome names like Google blitzes and black holes, you know, so I don't know. It's weird. So, so answering the question, Max Payne, the, the true Max Payne, if we were going to go 100% what the Max Payne is, the price is zero. You know, Max Payne is the... Bitcoin officially dies and goes to zero and everybody who ever invested in it loses everything. So you, we have to start with the, the extreme and then go basic. Here's the issue with Max Payne. And this is what I was trying to get at a little bit ago when I said, if we don't hold the 39.6, I think we're going down closer to 32, if not 30. And here's the reason why is because I think that right now the Max Payne is right around 39.6, 40,000. What happens though, is that if something breaks that, uh, it creates new flow, like right now the illiquid to liquid supply. We talked about the other day, illiquid supply of Bitcoin is at 76% and 24% is, li uh, is liquid, right? That's so bullish. That could change, That's right? so bullish. If, 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 if Max Payne gets crushed, like if, if the level we're currently putting at Max Payne gets crushed, it, you know, how many people are in longs right now because they think that we're at the bottom? How many people will go ahead and put their money on exchange and say, they'll go ahead and freak out. They'll, they'll have their weak hands. They've been holding strong for a while, but they're like, oh, it's too much. Let me go ahead and take my profit. I'll get in later. So Max Payne can be readjusted. 
That being said, I do believe that at the moment, 39-6, there's still a lot of strength there. There's still a lot of people holding. The question is, can pressure from Bears uh, push us below it? And I don't believe that's going to happen. But what I'm saying is, if it does happen, if we lose 39-6, I don't think 37 is going to hold. I don't think 35 is going to hold. I think 30. I think going back to what Max Payne was here a couple months ago, back in June and July of 29,000, 30,000, that region, that's going to become the new Max Payne. Uh, and that one is way stronger. If you're looking at VPVR, there's a lot more people uh, that will just refuse. I'm one of those people, by the way. I, no matter how low we go, I'm just not going to sell. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not going to sell. If we go down to $8,000, I'm not going to sell. I will be all time in the red. Like I will have lost money at that point. I don't care. I'm going to hold because I believe in the future of what the what yep. Bitcoin is doing. Yep, same here. So that, I hope that answers that question. I got a hot take for you, Tim. Yeah. I don't agree with anything you just said. I'm kidding. I agree with most of <laughs> what you said. I don't agree with the scenario. What I think is going to happen, and I'll tell you why. I think Bitcoin is going, and this is, you guys aren't going to like this, but you know, you want me to be honest with you? I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of don't think Bitcoin's going to hold $40,000. I kind of think we're going to drop down, and here's where I think we're going to go. I think we're going to pull all the way back down to the 78.6% Fibonacci level, which is sitting at 37,700. That is a horizontal line that is bought, uh, that is set by a bottom at roughly 38,000 set back on the 4th of August. I think what we're going to see happen is that Bitcoin's going to trade sideways for a few days. Then we're going to have a flash crash down. And then the same way we saw a minor example of yesterday, we're going to see a big buy the dip. And then we're going to rally back up above where the dip started. And that is going to be the beginning of a new uptrend. Can I, I think just we're say that's one my exact final prediction. major correction. What's up, Smay? That's my exact prediction, by the way. Really? Just so you know, yeah. Cool. That, so we're that, in I, I was, yeah, we're in agreement. Hey. Me and you, baby. I'm. A, are we in agreement that I really like your little tuft there? It look, it yeah, good. I like it, it too. Good. You, you do. You do kind of look like a like a Jedi or a samurai or something. But you know that's okay. Jedi and samurai are pretty cool. I, so, I put. So I sent you. him a picture. He looks like John Belushi's uh, samurai character. <laughs> That's really funny. All right, guys. Well, here, let's keep going here. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of our other technical indicators. One of the things I want to show you is Cypher. Guys, Market Cypher right now is giving us, uh, th I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, this is starting to look like a setup. It really is. If we zoom in here, you can see that we've set a higher low on Cypher at negative 69, nice, versus the previous low back on the 6th of December at negative 73. That is a higher low, meaning that we have an anchor wave back on uh, early December. Then we have a trigger wave right here. That's good. We also see that there's a green dot on momentum, meaning that there was a momentum cross. That's fantastic. We see another green dot down here. These typically mean the bottom is in at least temporarily. We also see that uh, money flow is the lowest that it has uh, been in uh, since December of 2018. So do with that what you will, but that's a bottoming signal if I've ever seen one. RSI right here hit the lowest level that it's been at in th in two and a half years. We talked about that on another show. And by the way, all four, the RSIs, VWAP, market, um, money flow, and momentum are all starting to curve to the upside. Frankly, I'm not going to say today we saw a buy signal on Market Cipher, but I'm going to say within the next three to four days, if these continue trending to the upside, I'm calling that a buy signal, and that's pretty exciting. That is something I'm going to be keeping a close eye on, and Tim, definitely make sure to look at that tomorrow while I'm gone, because that is, mm -hmm. there's potentially going to be a big signal there tomorrow. Like, that could happen very, very soon. But let's also take a look at some of our other technical indicators here. One of the good things about MACD is that MACD is finally converging bullish on itself. We could end up seeing a higher um, bullish cross than we saw back in December. That would be bullish because it means that we are 
then seeing what's known as MACD divergence. You've heard of RSI divergence, but now for MACD divergence, we have a downtrend here on the lows, but we would have an uptrend here on the lows on, our, on MACD. You might think, Jeb, you're making stuff up, but no, I'm serious. If you go back and do the historical analysis on MACD divergence, it actually does exist. You can see there's higher highs right here in October and November of 2021. Lower highs here on the MACD. Guess what? We went into a downtrend. We saw the same thing happen over here. Downtrend right here, uptrend right here on MACD. Boom, we went into a rally. In fact, the more historical analysis you do on this, the more you realize, wait a second, MACD divergence is actually super powerful. I mean, you can see the last like four major trends here on the market. This market moving into an uptrend, this market moving into a downtrend, this market moving into a downtrend, and then maybe this one moving into an uptrend. They were all predicated with MACD divergence. In fact, I'm getting a little, I, I, I'm really excited about this because the more I look at it, the more I find. Look at this. There's MACD divergence up here. So this is something that I want you guys to be paying attention to. There is bullish MACD divergence going on right now, and that could indicate that we're about to see a major bottom and a movement to the upside. Now, with that said, what's my opinion? My opinion is we're going to struggle to hold $40,000. If we start going into a big rally today or tomorrow, then maybe that's not the case. But if Bitcoin doesn't get above, let me be a little more specific on my prediction because Bitcoin is having a little bit of a rally. If Bitcoin starts really struggling to get above 43,500, which is our which is a local high right over here on the 6th of January. If we don't get above 43,500, then what I think is we're going to break uh, $40,000 and head down to 378. That's what I think. And I think 37.8 would be that point of max pain. And that is where we would see the majority of the cryptocurrency. Uh, that's where I believe we would see that uh, reversal start. But let's go ahead and take a look here at a couple of other on-chain metrics. This is a pretty interesting one. 4,118 Bitcoin bought since November by Mega Whale, who holds 123,000 Bitcoin. That's a ridiculously absurd amount of Bitcoin. We're talking, I want to say, about $4 billion there. Actually, no, that'd be a little bit more. That'd be about $6 billion uh, if my head math is right. Uh, $5 billion is what's showing right here. So this whale, uh, if we bring up this tweet, has been buying hundreds of Bitcoin at a time over and over and over and over again. In case you guys don't know, it is possible to track whale purchases because Bitcoin is an open ledger. You can see the balance going up day after day after day after day here, buying hundreds of Bitcoin a day. Let me say that again, hundreds of Bitcoin a day. That is literally millions of dollars of buying pressure coming from one dude or one organization, whoever it is, and they're up to 122000 Bitcoin. So let's pause here for a second. What does this mean? Why is this important? The whales, most of them, did not become rich and extremely wealthy because they got lucky. Now, there are some whales that just bought 100,000 Bitcoin when they got into cryptocurrency 12 years ago, and they're still holding it. That's actually extremely uncommon. There are not very many people that are whales right now and have a $5 billion balance in crypto that are holding from 10 years ago. It's actually relatively uncommon. Normally, these whales are coming from uh, billionaire hedge fund managers or you know big exchanges like a Binance or like a Coinbase or just extremely wealthy traders who have become ridiculously good at leverage. That's what we're talking about here. But I also want to make a second point. Take a look at this guy's balance. On the 31st, so on New Year's Eve, his balance was based on the current market price at $48,000 was $5,772,000,000. Today, his balance, or actually, excuse me, as of the 7th, when the price was where it is right now, the ba his balance was at $5,131,000,000. So Tim, what do you think we can take away from the, the fact that this guy is down $650 million? <laughs> Is there anything we can take away from that fact? Well, so he's down $650 million. What was, what was the point you were trying to make with the him? The point I'm trying to make is that, T-Shirm, do you? Yeah. 
I think that the point is he's extremely, extremely bullish still. He's still holding. Yeah. Yeah. My point is he's down $650 million. And what is he doing? What's his Bo- total net worth? Do we know that? Uh, the, the, ba- the balance of the wallet is down is uh, at about five and a half, uh, five point one billion right now, down from five point seven. Dude's down six hundred million dollars, and he's still buying the dip to the tune of hundreds of Bitcoin a day. So the point I'm trying yeah. to make here, guys, is that when we're down ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to downplay us being down ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Maybe you're down five hundred dollars. Maybe you're down a thousand. Maybe you're down two hundred thousand. I have no idea what your portfolio is. Uh, you know, I'm down like 20, 30, 40 percent like the rest of you guys from all time high. I think what we need to do in times like this where we get scared is we need to look at the people that are extremely rich and extremely wealthy, not the ones that inherited it, but the ones that built it themselves and say, what did they do? Now, I'm not talking about the ones that got there in illegal or immoral ways, but I'm talking about the people that got there in honest ways. What did they do? They braced for impact and they took advantage of dips, bought the dip. Look at this whale wallet, by the way, guys. Balance down $600 million, but they're still in profit $2.4 billion. Still in profit $2.4 billion. Is your wallet something like that? Are you down 40% from all-time high, but you're still up 300% from when you got in two years ago? Is that where you are? I really want you to think about that because there's a lot of people that get freaked out because Bitcoin is down, and I don't think we should. I think there's a big lesson in following the way these whales are acting, and by the way, most of them are buying right now. And by the way, it's not just that whale. We've got a lot of other whales that are a little bit cautious, but that are buying the dip. Now, I don't have time to go fully through this article, but I would encourage you to pause and read through this if you want. This is over on U.Today. It is titled, Bitcoin and Ethereum Whales Remain Cautious as Exchange Inflows Stay at All-Time Low. Point here, the whales are wondering like, eh, is the bottom in? A lot of them are buying. We just looked at one of them who is. Obviously, they're not always they're not all going to be on the exact same whale song, but they are all the time going to be looking for the most intelligent way to make money. Exchange inflows being at an all time low is a very big deal. Also, going to read you a quote here. Not going to go into to it too much. I have a lot of hope in crypto, says Joe Rogan. Uh, T. Shroom, you, you're you're the one that watches Joe Rogan a lot, right? I watch quite a bit of Joe Rogan. What do you ta- what do you make of his opinion on crypto, and how important and how influential do you think his opinion on that is? Joe Rogan is a very big player in crypto who. It, initially, he only ever got into Bitcoin because he held a charity fundraiser and they collected the, the money in Bitcoin. And I think that they paid it out in Bitcoin as well. So he never actually retained any of that Bitcoin. It was for a charity. Um, but it was then that he realized the potential of Bitcoin. Um, he's had on many guests, including Elon Musk, that have educated him further. And recently, he's had on a lot of guests that have educated him on the metaverse. Is he buying it yet? Not really. You know, but you can kind of see the evolution of how he has uh, come to understand metaverse and crypto. And his assistant, Jamie, has been pretty gung-ho on crypto for a while. The, but the fact that he's changing his tune here and, and, and coming out and making a pretty clear, optimistic statement could be a very big thing for the crypto markets. The reason it's a big thing is because Joe Rogan is a thought leader in the space. If, correct me if I'm wrong. You probably remember this contract, T-Shroom. I think it was a two-year, $100 million contract with Spotify that he signed last year. $50 million a year to be on Spotify. Spotify exclusively. That's ridiculous. That is absurd. And you know what's crazy? It's going to be a billion dollar contract before long. With the growth rate of Spotify, with the growth rate of podcasting, with the growth rate of Joe Rogan, that dude's going to be a billionaire in no time flat. I'm talking in the next five years. Mark my words, he's going to be worth over, what was that, 12 figures. He's going to be a billionaire. And when he does, 
I mean, he already has a lot of influence now, but when he does, he's going to have even more influence. What we need to remember is that there are a lot of very powerful people that have grassroots movement. Joe Rogan was not put on the stage by, uh, you know, television. Now, he has been on television with uh, whatever that show was. I forgot what it was. Fear but Factor. Fear Factor. Thank you. He was on Fear Factor. But really, his he had a little bit of popularity and fame from that. But really, he became famous grassroots from doing his own thing. There's a lot of grassroots people out there that trust and believe in Bitcoin because Bitcoin is grassroots. Because Joe Rogan is super tired of, you know, people coming at him from both sides. You know, he's polarizing on both sides. It's not a political statement. Everybody has something against Joe Rogan is what it seems. And I think he also will probably resonate a little bit with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency because Bitcoin and crypto has the same thing going on. It's getting attacked from both sides. And I don't think that that's something, I think that's something we need to pay attention to are the thought leaders in our space and in our era that are paying close attention to Bitcoin and crypto. One of the things I, I think I really appreciate about Joe Rogan and what you just said, uh, he he is a political person in terms of everyone has political opinions. What I respect heavily about him is he just is a person in pursuit of truth. Yeah, at all agreed. times, he's not he is not going to put his pride ahead of finding truth. Yep. Uh, so that's why you see him split on so many different issues because he's he honestly, if it makes sense to him and it seems true and it makes all the logical sense, that's what he believes, and he doesn't care if it falls on the left or the right yep. or the middle or whatever. So. I agree. No, it's a big strength of his. I remember watching the his interviews with Neil deGrasse Tyson because I I watched everything Neil deGrasse Tyson ever did when I was in middle school, and I would watch the interviews and. And they were talking about the moon landing being faked and whatnot. And it was so cool. Joe Rogan thought it was faked. And then he talked to Neil deGrasse Tyson like three times and changed his tune. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. He ch- Nobody changes their tune on that. <laughs> you know? The, yeah. So anyway. But yeah, let's go ahead and read some super chats. Absolutely. Uh, so we have one from Jonathan Hotstutler. Uh, he just wanted to donate. So thank you so much, Jonathan. Uh, we have one from Crypto Vet. I have learned to travel far with such a small rudder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Crypto Vet. We really appreciate you, buddy. By, by the way, Jonathan Hotstutler, Hosh, exactly what, I, I just did exactly what he wanted me to do. Hosh Stetler. Hosh Stetler. He, he commented earlier, because I remember the name. He wanted me to pronounce his name. That oh, so he didn't put it in his super chat, but that's what he wanted. That's hilarious. So, that's so funny. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Uh, Kelly Kellum, the guy. Yes, Kelly Kellum, we love you. The guy that named pterodactyl is worse than both astron- astronomers and crypto analysts. <laughs> Why the silent P? Pterodactyl. <laughs> Pterodactyl. I don't know. Maybe you need to get that checked out by a doctor. We'll. Okay, then we have one from IMC. Uh, can you take a look at Gnosis? They bought XDAI stake to compete the Maddox Solana space, but I want to hear what you see on the charts. I would have to look at Gnosis on another on another video. It's actually been in the top. I think it was one of the biggest gainers a couple days ago, but it's one that we're going to unfortunately not have time for today, my friend. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's that's all we have for super chats. There is one that I um, saw yesterday that I really like the question. Okay. Uh, this is from Jedi Master. How do I convince my work DHL to offer payment in Bitcoin or add Bitcoin to my retirement? Hmm. Interesting. Well, if you work for DHL, uh, good luck because that's a multi-billion dollar company. It's going to be difficult for one person to convince them to do that. But what I would say is that if you can get a lot of your coworkers together, and yet not, I'm not saying go unionize or anything, but I am saying if you can get a bunch of your coworkers together and write a letter and have like 50 signatures on it and then send it to the CEO, they might take that seriously. So what I would do is I would try and garner support with the people in the company. And you know, I'm not trying to sow division or anything. You guys, you know, be respectful and everything. But I am saying like, hey, come together and say, hey, wouldn't it be cool? if we could have cryptocurrency and we could invest in this with our retirement. You know, there's a lot of great companies out there that offer that. And uh, so 
it, but the other thing to keep in mind is that there are ways that you can do that on your own. So even if they don't allow it, then there are ways that you can that, that you can uh, invest in your retirement through the money that you make, even without the benefit, even without the help of your employer. But it would be nice, and you know that's just something we're going to have to give time because it's coming. You know, for a long time. The employers didn't offer internet at their office, and everybody had internet, and they just figured it out on paper. It just took time for employers to move to, um, move um, into the new era because the thing is um, – Employers, and this is something I've learned about business-to-business sales because we work in business-to-customer and business-to-business sales. Whenever you're doing business-to-business sales, you can't sell a business. It's Well, you can, but it's very difficult to sell a business on something that the business wants. you got to sell something to the business that they need. So a business might want to give you benefits in uh, cryptocurrency, but what they need is to reduce the churn rate of their employees by keeping them happy. So if they know that enough of their employees want benefits in cryptocurrency, then some dude in HR is going to say, oh my gosh, they're all asking for this. We better give it to them so that we don't start losing one or two of our best guys. I'm not saying threaten to quit or anything, but I am telling you how HR reps think. They think, oh my gosh, we want to make sure we keep our people happy, not so that we can keep them happy, although they probably do want that too, but because they don't want to have bad KPIs where they say, oh, we lost our best employee because we didn't give them the benefit that they wanted. So I would say try and get as many of your fellow coworkers together as possible that agree with you, and then send a letter to the CEO slash the, the HR department. Smay's got something he wants to say. Um, I'm, my, my memory's a little foggy. I know that me and Tim are going to be doing a show next week where it's yeah. just us but like what what's that are you you're going somewhere Jeff? yeah i'm going to the moon actually I'm, I'm getting off spacex rock and i'm gonna go to the moon no i'm joking actually i'm gonna go to, i'm gonna be going to miami and i'm going to the north american bitcoin conference because the north american bitcoin conference if you don't know has been running for eight years and there's going to be all kinds of power players in the industry we're talking mark cuban's going to be there Nayib bukele the president of el salvador is going to be there uh francis suarez mayor of miami is going to be there Crypto Banter, which is someone you know from YouTube, is going to be there. I'm going to be there. A lot of big power players in the cryptocurrency space. Not saying that we're a power player, but I'm talking about the Mark Cubans and the Naive Bukele's and Francis Suarez's are going to be there. There's also going to be a couple of the executives from Ripple there. We're looking at uh, some of the founders of the Ethereum project. Some of the people that are working in it in the very early days are going to be there. Some of the people from Tezos are going to be there. It's going to be all kinds of breakout sessions, all kinds of panels. And like I said, we ourselves are going to be there. Myself and three people from our team are going to be there. Tim and Smay are going to be running the show while I'm gone. They're going to be running the show on Monday and Tuesday of this coming week and maybe Wednesday. We're not sure if I'm going to be back by Wednesday, but we're definitely going to have them filling in on the show for Monday and Tuesday. Exact same show. Tim's going to be hosting it. You guys love Tim. Whenever he's on, he absolutely destroys it. So look forward to that. But if you want to meet me in person and you want to you know, meet some of the biggest power players in the industry, then the best place to do it is at the North American Bitcoin Conference 2022. Tickets are selling fast. There's going to be about 4,000 people there, and it is in Miami, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time. We're going to make content while we're down there. We're bringing Zach, who's our videographer and lead editor, and he's going to be helping with all of that. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. I want to meet you. Check the link in the description box down below. You're going to get automatic 20% off your ticket, val- uh, your ticket purchase if you sign up with the link down below. <sighs> Ready? Let's go on to Ethereum. Let's do it, guys. Let's go ahead and take a look at ETH. As you guys know, Ethereum is in a very interesting position right now. And I actually want to look for a couple of things on ETH while we're talking here that I think may be interesting. First and foremost, remember how we were talking about uh, MACD divergence? Well, there's actually some MACD divergence going on here on Ethereum as well. Notice we have a bottom here in September of 2021, bottom here just now. There is also lo- There are also lows happening on MACD with the downtrend right here. Now, the other thing to keep in mind with MACD 
is that over the last two days, we've actually seen bullish convergence on the MACD. That's a great thing. Could mean that we're going to see a higher, uh, uh, a uh, bullish MACD cross come in in the next couple of days if we are able to maintain this market above its current price level. Now, I also do want to remind you of the Fibonacci level that we talked about at at $2,931. We saw that Ethereum tested that perfectly. I did not, I'm not saying that I called this, technical analysis called this, but we did say on this channel over a month and a half ago that this was likely in the cards. A drop down to $2,940 was most likely going to happen because of the Fibonacci retracement level and the fact that it means that Ethereum would drop 40%, which is exactly what happened to Bitcoin, and typically they drop an equal amount. The thing that I'd like about Ethereum is that it has finally caught up in retracement to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is retraced 40% from all-time high. Ethereum is now as well. That is a good thing. 40% retracement is regular in bull markets. That is not a bad thing. Let's also just compare this to the previous markets in Bitcoin. 40% retracement over the course of 64 days. Let's take a look at the 2017 bull market in Bitcoin, which I believe is the most prime example of a solid bull market that we have seen. If we look at some of these drops, we see that Bitcoin dropped for a total of 36 days, negative 37%. You can see, or negative 40% right there. Some of these drops, such as this one over here, Bitcoin would drop uh, 40% over the span of 48 days, and then it took it three or four months to return back to all-time high. And that's okay. That is not a bad thing. It just means that Bitcoin needs time. And the same thing is said for Ethereum. Ethereum is doing a very similar thing right now. I'm actually very excited about Ethereum for a multitude of reasons. And one of those reasons is not only that we have bullish MACD divergence, we also have bullish RSI divergence, guys. On top of that, RSI plummeted all the way down to 26, which is the lowest level we have seen on Ethereum in almost two years. <laughs> that means that, yes, the bears are very much in charge, but it also means that the bears are very much overextended. And with how powerful the DeFi space is right now, I think Ethereum is going to be hard-pressed to stay down here, but anywhere below $3,000. It might sit down here around $3,000 for a while, and yes, if Bitcoin drops down to $37, like I think it might, then we might see Ethereum briefly drop down to 25, 26, maybe 27, but I think the dip would be bought up very quickly. Guys, I just have this very strong feeling that the bottom is close on Bitcoin and Ethereum. And you might say, oh my gosh, Jeb's going off a feeling. Well, hang on, pause. There is something very powerful about the intuition and the instinct of somebody who's been working in the market every single day for four and a half years. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back, but what I am saying is I've looked at these markets and I've analyzed these markets for an hour or more a day, pretty much every single day with maybe 30 or 40 days exception. Ever since December of 2017, excuse me, ever since August of 2017, I've been doing this for a while. So I know what these markets look like. And if you've been in the market for a while, then you need to pay attention to your wisdom and your intuition and your instinct also, right? When a lion is hunting, does the lion think, okay, now there's a gazelle coming by and there's 27 gazelles and then this one came over here? No, he just says, Boom, I'm going for that one. It's instinct. That's what we're talking about here in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. It's not trading by emotion. It's trading based off of experience. And based on my experience, I do believe that the bottom is relatively close. But of course, we've also shown you over 100 other technical reasons why we believe the same. So Tim, let me ask you this question. Based on what we're seeing on Ethereum, based on these bullish divergences, based on the fact that it has pulled back to a Fibonacci level that is very healthy, such as the 61.8%, do you think the bottom is close for Ethereum in the same way that the bottom may be somewhat close for Bitcoin. Yeah, I do think the two are correlated. I, th I think that if we have a, a drop in Bitcoin, we're going to see a drop in Ethereum as well. But again, as I've said, I think that Bitcoin 
Yeah, and I, I I wrote it down just in case we you know get there. Uh, what I said versus what you said, the disagreement here, I think it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm very if I'm wrong, I'll I'll be the first one to say I'm wrong. Uh, Same here. It's gonna be really so. You guys track this. Just so you guys know, the information here is Tim says thirty nine six is the bottom or thirty to thirty two. So when we go to thirty seven. They're going down. Jeb and Smay say 37.8 is the bottom. So this is going to be really interesting I said, to hey, see. I said 37.8 is the bottom if we don't manage to break through 43,000 in the next couple of days. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, okay, gotcha. So your caveat is the we go up. If we break above a de- if we break above some decent resistance, then, I, then I'll rescind well, that I, statement. I think what but- it really boils down to, let's if the price goes to 37.8, let's see what happens. Does it stop and come back up, or does it keep going? Is the real, that's probably sure, the, yeah. the thing there. Anyway, the same with Ethereum. Going on to Ethereum and relating it back to it, I, I said all that just because I think people will find it interesting to see that. Oh, I think out. so too. Yeah. Uh, and again, I would place love your if bets. Jeb is if Jeb is right and I'm wrong. And yeah, place great. your bets. Team uh, Tam or Team Jeb slash May. But uh, there's a zone, and we're you know we don't have a wick that technically touched it, but there is a zone uh, between twenty eight eighty and twenty six, uh, and technically we are so close to even to that zone. I would say it doesn't necessarily have to continue to go down that far, but that's the zone that I was really looking for us to bounce. The, the thing is also I, I kind of measured out we were calling back in december probably around december 16th we were looking at ethereum and bitcoin we were watching how far bitcoin was falling uh and we were saying ethereum it's just staying up there ethereum needs to you know it, it needs a correction it needs to come down need to catch and that up. harsh correction has brought it back into a state what jeb just talked about when we were talking about that back in december bitcoin was already in a uh, bullish rsi divergence they continue to play down so they're creating even more massive massive bullish rsi divergence but ethereum wasn't even in bullish rsi divergence they were still a lot saying ethereum needed to come down then we had this nice harsh end to december and beginning of january like especially this first week of january that's actually put ethereum back into a zone where it's like no Ethereum's actually ready. It did its yeah. correction. It did it very quickly, yep. and it's ready to actually rally again uh, from the charts perspective. We know from a fundamental perspective, Ethereum is not doing anything that means it needs to crash hard. Just price will be, again, what I was talking about earlier, people are looking at all of these projects uh, for the price of it, and the price, according to the charts, needed to come down. Absolutely. So here's what your takeaway is for Ethereum. Right now, it has finally caught up to Bitcoin. It's 40% retraced from all-time high, just as Bitcoin is, and the major levels of support in zones of support I'm looking at start at the top at $29,500 or $29,500. Not only is that our Fibonacci level, uh, that is a 61.8% retracement on Fib. So that's that top blue line that I have right here. That also lines up with two tops that we had over here on May 25th and then on June the 2nd. Now on the bottom, we have a bottom down here around $2,680. That represents the same lows that we set back on the 21st of September. So we'd be looking at previous lows before that. On top of that, as far as Luxalgo is concerned, that would also push us down into the third part of the reversal zone down here. And if we if it takes long enough, the second part of the reversal zone down here, so the reversal zones are coming into play as well. I do think the bottom for bit for Ethereum is somewhere above $2,600, but I think we're going to need to give it a week to figure out where Bitcoin and Ethereum are as far as their confidence in said bottoms. With that said, Luxalgo is a very important indicator that you're going to want to be taking a peek at. Right now, it obviously is still under a confirmed sell signal because it's a very good indicator and we haven't entered an uptrend yet but if we do start to enter an uptrend and you start to see confirms buy signals showing up on hourly chart two hour four hour six hour eight hour 12 hour daily then that is going to be a very powerful bottoming sign now with that said we're going to go ahead and move on here to a very very interesting article 
We're going to open up some discussion on this one. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell braces for congressional hectoring about inflation. Now, I also want to jump on over to my Twitter really quickly and read a quote directly from this article. We know that high inflation exacts a toll, particularly for those less able to meet the higher costs of essentials like food, housing, and transportation, Powell said in a testimony according to the Associated Press. Easy fix, institute a hashtag Bitcoin standard retweet if you agree. Go over to my Twitter, at CryptoJeb, retweet that tweet if you agree that we should have a Bitcoin standard. Now, I want to throw it to T-Shroom. T-Shroom. Jerome Powell just acknowledged the definition of what inflation does to the average American person and to the rest of the world. It strips us away of our ability to purchase basic necessities, and it's a silent tax where you can put $100 underneath your bed, and without the government even needing to touch the money, they can still tax it through inflation. So, Jerome Powell has acknowledged the damage that this causes. Why does his Federal Reserve still allow it to go on? Well, the long and short of it, I think, is that there's there's so many people in this country that have 401ks that would experience extreme shock, extreme price shock, similar to what we saw during the fall in February, uh, early February of 2020, when a uh, sickness started to go around. Um, and when those 401ks go start to go down uh, and individuals all across North America consider liquidating their 401ks early and incurring those tax penalties, that can crescendo into quite a quite a negative outcome for the economy in the long term, meaning something like a recession or even a depression. So uh, Jerome Powell is really looking for the stock market to stay at the, the prices that it's at now. And 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 it doesn't need to go higher necessarily, but he just definitely does not want it to go lower at an accelerating rate. Could an analogy be that like Okay, so you got, you're a parent, you got a child that's bleeding, and, and like you just keep putting Band-Aids on it, but you're so scared to take the Band-Aid off and to actually treat the wound because it's going to be painful, so you just keep putting Band-Aids on it. Is that what the Federal Reserve is doing to the stock market and the rest of the uh, U.S. economy? Essentially, yeah. They're just they're just kind of pushing the, the ball down the road is an excellent you know phraseology to use to describe their, their methodology here in solving the problem. But ultimately, it gets down to the fact that they don't have a real solution. There is no way out of this other than pain, the painful disciplined way of, hey, you guys are going to start paying much higher taxes and everything's going to suck for so a while. So what, and I want Tim's take on this also, but I'll ask you first, T-Shroom, what is he going to do about this inflation? Because he recognizes that it's a problem. Is he going to let it keep going on? Was he just politicking? What is he, if he gets reappointed, which he probably will, going to do about the inflation? Well, I, I don't think that there's much. That's the scary part is there's not much left that he can do other than to go ahead and raise interest rates and, you know, take the hit. Uh, and, and, yeah, take the hit and, and and proclaim that there's going to be an accelerated rate of declining bond buying uh, programs. So it, between those two things are really the only levers he has. Um, at his disposal to try and combat inflation. But what those things do is if you move the lever one way to solve that problem, then the stock market probably will start to come down. And and that's that's what he's really afraid of, because if you have millions of American, uh, millions of American workers out there seeing their 401ks start to have and start to you know really go down very quickly, that can spell unrest and that can spell really, really bad things. Yeah. No, for real. So, Tim, let me ask you this question as well. What do you think Jerome Powell is going to do about the inflation since he has acknowledged the threat that it poses? I've said this before. What he should do is he should raise uh, the interest rates. Um, he should he should 
go ahead and say, we're going to fight this inflation. Will he do that? I don't think so. And I think exactly what Tishan was just saying. I think a lot of people are going to be very uh, scared by it. And that's the problem with Keynesian economics is that all you think about is what does the people want right now? Who cares how this affects the future? Mm -hmm. What will make people happy right now? What will make them feel secure? And people follow that. And then they 10 years later, they're like, oh, why don't I have any? Why, why is my money worthless now? It's like, well, because you decided you wanted to be happy you 10 years in ago. Gratification. So, so should what should he do? He should raise the interest rate. What will he do? I don't know, but I have a feeling he's going to go ahead and leave it low and and continue to coddle people uh, and not do what's actually what's best for them in their future generations. So here's my biggest takeaway from this, guys. My biggest takeaway is that the current economic and cultural zeitgeist, the mood of our era is instant gratification. It's give it to me now. I want free stuff. I want to be able to do whatever I want right now. Instant gratification. I want to spend all my money right now. I don't need savings. I don't need investments. I don't need to prepare for my future and plan. I'm going to, I made 20 grand. I'm going to go spend 20 grand in Vegas. I just made a hundred grand. I'm going to go buy a Ferrari. I just made 500 grand. I'm going to go buy a million dollar house. That's what we are living in right now. And that's actually why we're considering as a company changing our vision statement from helping you to achieve financial freedom to helping you to achieve financial sovereignty. Because the word financial freedom, the phrase financial freedom has become so corrupted with this picture of million, million, million dollar homes and running 10 times more debt than I have cash that I don't even know if I want to be associated with it anymore. So I much prefer the term financial sovereignty because I want you to be control, controlling your money rather than your money controlling you. That's really the essence of what we are trying to do here is help you be the master of your money and not the other way around. And the trouble is you and I both grew up in a society that taught us how to become the controlling the controlled member of the controlling uh, relationship with the money. We were taught to be controlled by our money by going and spending and spending and spending and spending and spending way more money than we need to. Like I got a lot, like I'll use an example and please don't take this the wrong way. I'm literally, I'm not trying to be prideful, but I'm using an example. I bought a Camry about six, seven months ago. And a lot of people were like, yeah, why didn't you buy a nicer car? And I, I, I could have bought a nicer car if I wanted to. But the reason I bought a Camry was because I wanted to spend a little bit of money on a car and spend a lot of money investing in my business, spend a lot of money investing in crypto, spend a lot of money, you know, building savings because I'm trying to plan for the future and I'm trying to have delayed gratification and everything I'm saying comes back to this one point. The world is teaching you instant gratification. We are teaching you delayed gratification because that is how you will achieve sovereignty over your finances. And I am hoping and praying that Jerome Powell, if he gets reappointed as the chairman of the Federal Reserve, will take up that mindset. But I'm almost certain that he won't. Now, T. Shroom, let me ask you another question. I'm going to ask this kind of a devil's advocate question. A lot of people are uh, wondering about this. If the stock market goes down, why does Bitcoin go down? What, I, I thought Bitcoin was supposed to be a hedge against inflation and a hedge against the traditional markets. Why are they still so intertwined? Well, in, in short, it's the Bitcoin has actually uh, ran in tan over 2020. Uh, Bitcoin has ran in tandem with some of the mid cap tech stocks pretty closely. It's definitely, um, you know, gone away from their trend from time to time when certain, you know, underlying uh, fundamentals change. But, but ultimately, in the short term, it Bitcoin and other cryptos uh, mirror the stock market. But in the long term, it's an inflation story. You know, if the stock market comes crashing down, Bitcoin in the mid and long term 
will ultimately rise. Just if you run the if you run the economic calculations, that's just that's just the way it looks like it's going to turn out. Um, why and so why why does that happen? Well, the same people who are trading those mid cap tech stocks um, are trading Bitcoin, you know, day to day. The, they they are responsible for a large percentage of the daily volume. That doesn't mean that they're the whales holding at you know the low prices, um, but they but they are they're trading it you know because they're they're applying everything they've learned in finance schools and what they've learned through years and years of trading daily. Um, for the hedge funds that they work for, and they're just applying those same principles in uh, in in crypto. And it's not that they make up a significant portion of trading, but they're not necessarily what I would consider the composite man. I think they are just they're just a another, composite man. They're another animal altogether. They're they're not necessarily trying to manipulate. I don't see that grade of traders as as a manipulating class, but they are still a significant portion of volume. So case in point, Bitcoin will move with the same uh, kind of the same direction at the same time that the stock market will specifically mid cap and small cap tech stocks. Um, but in the long term, it's going to kick into in the long whole, term. Your southern draw came out there, man. <laughs> in, the in the long term, term. <laughs> it'll it'll kick into a whole nother gear. It'll kick into a whole nother gear. Uh, Warren Buffett says kick into overdrive. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. It, it's it's all good. I think Warren Buffett said it, but it could have been somebody else. Is that uh, in the, in the speaking about the stock market specifically? But in the short term, the stock market is a casino. But in the long term, it's a scale and. You know, crypto is is kind of that truth on another dimension. In the short term, it's it's you know day to day. It's still very much um, you know kind of a casino. It's it's kind of all it, it's it's a little bit crazy, but in the long term, it's a giant uh, notification to the Federal Reserve that your time's kind of coming to a close here. And so that that's what we'll see when the when it does um, when it does start to just detach itself from decouple itself from the stock market's price movement. And until we do start to look at cryptocurrency as its own asset class, which is what it is, we are going to continue to see it being connected. Here is one of the takeaways I want you to have from this. One of the reasons I love Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is because for the last 100 years, ever since Keynesian economics started to happen, it comes from you know Eastern Europe. It, to be honest with you, it comes from Marxist ideology. Whenever you see that happening, the last hundred years, you've only had one option as far as finances are concerned. You've had the traditional financial space. You've had the traditional banks. You've had the 401ks. You've had the U.S. economic monetary policy or monetary policy. You've had uh, the IMF. You've had all of these different monetary policies. And guess what? Now you have another option. That's one of the greatest things that Bitcoin has done for humanity is that it has given humanity a second option. Take a look at this. Every time that you see a one-party system of any nation, it almost always becomes tyrannical. Whenever you start to see free and open elections through democracy, then that's when you start to see progress being made, and that's when you start to see people having you know, personal liberties and freedoms. We want that. It's the same thing with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, because guess what? Now there's competition, and anyone who's a capitalist, anyone who's an entrepreneur, which I am, understands that the best thing for the consumer is competition. Healthy competition but competition. And now the traditional financial space, inflating the crap out of your money, controlling you through the banks, now has some competition and it's called Bitcoin. It's called cryptocurrency. And you now have an option. You now have a choice. You now have another way of generating your wealth without having to be beholden to the people that are sitting on top of the pile of money. And because they control the money, 
it allows them to control the money. You see how that cycle continues? Bitcoin, crypto, and DeFi, the decentralized financial space, give us an option that we more or less have not seen before in the history of humankind. We have pretty much only ever seen one monetary system at a time. Now there's two, and I do believe that competition will make both better because there are things that the banks do better than crypto, by the way. I'm not saying that crypto is 100% right and the banks are 100% wrong. I am saying crypto is probably 80% right or 90% right, and the banks are probably 10 or 20% right. But they can both learn from each other, and then we can, uh, we can improve and uh, achieve more financial sovereignty because of that competition. So, Tim, let me ask you this. What is, how do you think that the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency markets can start to really mature as a proper competitor towards those tradi- uh, to those traditional financial markets? What will it take to, for them to be able to compete? Yes. Uh, education. Good. I, I think that people are not sure exactly what it is. Like I just said, education as a whole for all of crypto. How many people actually, when they're looking at cryptocurrencies and comparing them, compare the technologies? I think when you look at the, uh, if you took every human who was investing in crypto and then a percentage of people who cared about the technology differences, that is going to be a very small number. When that number grows, when people start to actually care to look into what the purpose was, that is when you will see those numbers, uh, the, the difference between the stock market and crypto and specifically Bitcoin change. Because at this point, it's just a store of value. They don't understand its specialness. They don't, they might've heard the reason, but it hasn't gripped their, their, soul yet. Like it hasn't gripped their desire yet. Most people right now still think of how can I make US dollars? Hey, look at the Bitcoin over here. It's really volatile. Look at Cardano over here. It's really down right now. I think this is a great buy. I could make a lot of US dollars if I invest in that right now. That thought line of thinking is going to change as people get more educated and they'll learn and that's what will separate it from the rest of the pack. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just to, just to add on to that, uh, Michael Saylor tweeted, a while ago on the, the 9th of December, the price of Bitcoin will be driven by inflation, technology, and adoption. A hundred percent agree with that. He's so on the money. He is so on the money right there. It's not even funny. He's so right. It, 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 there's people like right now, a lot of people, you know, not on this channel or I think most YouTube pro or sorry, crypto pro YouTube channels, but like Bukele is a laughing stock in the political realm. Like in, other governments are laughing at him. Yeah, people Years do not like now, that. People will be like, remember that one guy? that saw this before anyone else did as a political leader, as a government leader, uh, he is going to be, you know, he already, I think, has cemented, cemented his place in the history book. Some people think it's a laughing stock. I think it's going to be as the 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 groundbreaker of at least in the area of crypto now there are some uh, i'm not from i'm I'm not from el salvador so i'm not going to weigh in too much on the politics there i'll weigh in on his opinion on bitcoin and cryptocurrency but i do oh yeah yeah you're right on behalf of the crypto jeb channel we recognize there's some concerns around how nayib bukele operates as a politician but i'm very happy to see that he's bringing about bitcoin and cryptocurrency even if the way that it was done isn't necessarily the most favorable to most people to some people but the point here guys is everything we just said Funnily funnily enough, points back to exactly why we're here. Our vision statement is to help you achieve financial freedom. And I'm very, very close to changing that to financial sovereignty because I'm really tired of the word financial freedom because financial freedom used to mean not being enslaved to the banks. Now it means being able to buy 15 Lambos. And look, go buy your Lambos. If anybody tells you not to go buy your Lambo, if you have the right heart about it and you know you're you're doing what you should be and you made the money right, then you go get your Lambo. If that motivates you, great. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say there's anything wrong with that. Now I am gonna say that if you can't afford to pay your rent and you 
you went and bought a Lambo, that was dumb. And that's what we're trying to help you with is we're not trying to help you become some flexing influencer on Instagram. I want you to be able to have a solid foundation of financials so that you can live the purpose-driven life that God has called you to because that's our mission statement is to help you live a purpose-driven life. We just happen to do all that through cryptocurrency. We just happen to do all that through Bitcoin. We just happen to do that through education here in crypto YouTube. But we want you to be financially sovereign so that you can live the purpose-driven life God has called you to. And if that is a mission and a vision that you can get behind, hit that subscribe button because we're growing fast. We want to have 500, 600, 700,000 subscribers on this channel by the end of this year. Well over a million in 2023. Maybe we'll hit a million this year. We're going to try for it, guys. But if you enjoyed today's video, smash that like button. and Give me a hashtag financial sovereignty in chat. I would love to get that trending on Twitter so that people will understand that money is not supposed to control you. You are supposed to control your money. It needs to be a tool that you can use to live the life that you were called to. Guys, if you enjoyed today's stream, make sure to check out some of our sponsors. We are sponsored by the North American Bitcoin Conference, and we are going to be there. So make sure to check out those tickets down below. You get 20% off. Obviously, they're going quick because the conference is on Monday. It's not far away. So if you haven't already booked your reservations and gotten your tickets, check the link down below. And also, we didn't talk about it much today, but make sure to get Lux Algo. It will help you to do your trading and do your investing. I love Lux Algo. It's a phenomenal product. Before we go, we're going to read some super chats and then we're going to wrap it out. And I price believe we have some more. Oh, and price predictions. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So from Ronnie D, will Maddox still be relevant after ETH 2.0? Good question. We talked about that earlier. I believe so. But think about it like this. I IBM was trying to get into a certain industry with computers um, before Apple came along. Apple kind of kicked them out of their ability to do personal computers and everything, and IBM is still a $40 billion company or whatever it is right now. Companies and cryptocurrencies have the ability to pivot. Now, it probably will cause a hit to Matic's uh, market capitalization and its growth when ETH 2.0 comes out because the point of Matic is, or the, a major part of the point of Matic is uh, scalability and transactional throughput. So if ETH 2.0 does like perfectly solve that, great. But ETH 2.0 is not going to be perfect in in every situation, especially right after launch. So I think Matic is going to be okay, but it probably will be a, a uh, tumultuous 12 months following the launch of ETH 2.0 while Matic is adjusting. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Awesome. And then our last one from another crypto, Tim. Uh, do you think RVN or Flux will pump from miners moving away from ETH, seeing that it is changing for the worse? Mm. Also, Flux landed big NVIDIA deal. Any thoughts? I not familiar with both of those projects very well. I've looked into them a little bit, but I wouldn't feel comfortable weighing in on that because I don't want to give you any information that's unfounded. That's one of the things we take very seriously here, guys. If we talk about something, we want to know very well what we're talking about. And I'm just going to be honest, I don't really know what I'm talking about in that area, so I'm going to leave that. But I very much appreciate the donation. Yeah, I remember Thank you Flux so much for Pavilion. That. Flux Pavilion, that dubstep artist. <laughs> a dubstep coin there we go i thought you were talking about your decentraland uh, plot uh, it's called flux pavilion that's hilarious <laughs> we got a lot of hashtag financial sovereignties in chat i love that guys let's get some more love it so much guys Do we have any other super chats or is that all i like that that concept, is all by the, way, the financial sovereignty financial thing sovereignty. i do too because like i said i was talking to tim about this yesterday um uh, the, the word financial freedom already has so much branding around it. It already means so much in our head. But when was the last time you heard somebody say financial sovereignty? I just thought of that the other day. I'm like, you know mm -hmm. what? I like that I, word a lot more. It really get, it really got me excited. I feel I feel it in my bones now. Good. You I feel really it. Do. 
way down deep in your bones, as the song goes. I do want to say, uh, Gabriel Avila, she, uh, that was the man, he said yesterday, currently 23% down with CT2A. I Woo. hope I get to TA Tim's level. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, TA Tim a year ago was, he, he had just come on the channel, uh, so just bad. joined the company, had no idea how so to do technical bad. analysis. He was a dip seller. And, and you know, here is how TA Tim did this. Three things. One, he worked very hard. He's very consistent. He had the character for it. He worked very hard, and I'm not trying to take credit away from him on that. But the other two things that he had is he had community that he could learn from. He was able to come to me. He was able to come to, more recently, T. Shroom. He was able to come to other people on our staff and learn about crypto. And he also had an educational source. That's why CT2A is so powerful, because CT2A is the educational source, and it is also going to plug you into a community. And then all you need is some discipline and some patience, and you're going to be able to get there. It's a repeatable formula, guys. We can lead you to the water. We can't make the horse drink, but we can lead you there. We can give you all of the tools. And that's what we believe we've done. Check out CT2A if you haven't already. Do we have any other yeah. suggestions? Is that all of them? That is I think it. That's it. Cool. Well, let's do some price predictions. We do. And so, as you know, everybody else is locked in. Everybody I, else is locked this in. This is a week that I don't love my prediction, but I went with it because. <sighs> so I, I don't expect to win this week, but I, I am. I put it in because yeah. I'm being honest. Jeb, what's your prediction? And then I'll read it. 38,200. 38,200? Yep. Oof. Yes. That's my prediction for Friday. You Bullshit. are not the lowest. I'm not. Really? No, you are I actually not. didn't want to be, so I'm okay with that. I yeah. just hope I'm not too. All right. Squeeze in there. We will go. We'll go from lowest. <laughs> Larry Fishman just said, Did Jeb just call me a horse? <laughs> it's an analogy. <laughs> Somebody earlier said, Jeb's the king of weird analogies. And I'll take that. That's, that's, that's a pretty common that's a pretty. A, that's a pretty accurate allegation. <laughs> All right. So the lowest prediction for Friday comes from none other than Smainold. Smainold. With an even 37,000. Ooh, let's go, Smay. Yeah. So we are expecting some bearish action from old Smainel's camp. The turtle, the turtle market but is on I'm, its way down. But I'm excited because I get to buy more and I get to have yeah. a better entry. That's so good. Buy the flipping dip. Uh, I, you know it's weird. Can I just say real quick? Yeah. I've been uh, I've been really thinking about retirement lately. You know. <laughs> okay. And, and and more so like because like gonna leave us, man. No, no. You've been here a year, dude. <laughs> no, no. I'm not. Re- <laughs> you weren't supposed to retire. Twenty nine years. I'm not trying to retire yet, but okay. I, I'm saying. But my thing is like you know a lot. Hiring for a technical director at Crypto Jet Channel. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people wait about it. Like they wait to think about it for so long. No, it's but now true. I'm like starting to think. I'm like you know I'm 21. It's important. What, if I want to really set myself up really good. Yep, I might right. as well start thinking about that stuff now. So yeah, no jokes aside, you're absolutely right. And, and the, the younger, the better. Crypto, guys, crypto, and that's why I love you're talking about sovereignty because I'm like, guys, crypto is like the way to do it. And I'm gonna, it I'm is. gonna be talking to my dad too about it of like certain ways to do it, and it's gonna be really exciting. I feel like so. there's an electricity around this word financial sovereignty. I really I like love that. It. I really I like, like that. I'm gonna talk to leadership about that. We may be changing our vision statement here in the next couple of days, changing one word in there. All right, let's keep moving on. So Jeb is second with thirty eight thousand two hundred. So you are in second place. Uh, you know, it's a, it's not that great of a window, but again, crypto, uh, Bitcoin at the moment, is not in a very big window because right above you is Taylor T Shroom. So, oh no, 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 not Taylor. There's two Taylors. So Taylor, my wife. So female Taylor says <laughs> the forty thousand five hundred. Yeah, it just, forty thousand five hundred. That's a yeah, it's good. Okay, good, seems good comfortable. You right above that Taylor is the other Taylor, the male Taylor, the Shroom Taylor. The Shroom uh, <laughs> saying forty one thousand eight hundred. What's really funny is I flirted with that really, really, really. 
for a while this morning, and I decided to go a different route. Uh, if I don't win, I hope T Shroom wins because that was going to be my second yeah. vote. I think I might have a new nickname for myself, T the Shroom. Like T the Winnie Shroom. The yeah. <laughs> T the Shroom. That's funny. What happens if T Shroom wins because he's going to be gone? Yeah. Like, I will, we will have a special ceremony. Okay, we'll Today, have a ceremony for him. Great picture of him or something. Today is his last stream, guys. Oh, yeah, it's his yeah. last stream. Okay. So are we done with the price prediction? No, we're not because we yeah. still have two right, more we'll predictions. We'll come to that in a oh. sec. It's me and Kelly for who is the highest. You, oh, like, to, you like to oh, make cool. yours so dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I know. You wait, dun, dun, dun. You, wait, you wait for everyone to say theirs, dun, all, and then you like... Hey, it, it comes dun, with the job. Dun, it's my, just my job. I get to do whatever I want. Kelly is not the highest. Oh. He said 43,900. Kelly's always high. I'm sorry. What? I, again, I told you I'm not in love with my prediction, but I have this feeling... That we will have a rally. I am the highest predictor at forty four thousand three hundred. I think I'm catching up. Forty four. Forty four thousand. Okay. Three hundred. I think we're going to start rallying. Bull, I think we're going to get work back up to that forty six. Uh, again, I'm not in love with it because I I think it might be a little huh. too soon. I think it is. That's yeah. why I really flirted with forty. But I, I do think that I like T shrooms. Boring answer, staying pretty much exactly where we are right now. Thank you. Because we'll keep moving sideways. And if you look at the VPVR, forty-one. I think I was going to say forty-one nine hundred. Forty-one nine hundred is the is the most uh, common price point in this little trading channel we're in. I think we're either going to stay still like that, or we're going to start a rally, and that's why I went with forty-four. Can, can I ask you a question about your prediction? So how does that influence? Because I know that you feel you're a little bit more bearish than me and Jeb in terms of like your overall prediction. Mm-mm. So how does this? Yeah, because you said no. You I no. So what I said was I think that thirty nine six was the bottom. But if we break it and go to your guys' prediction of thirty seven, then I become more bearish than you. I think oh, that the strong okay, okay, support okay. is at so thirty nine six. That's not. So your prediction is really thirty nine. But like for this, for the bottom, so you don't think we're going there yet. No, no, I, I think we hit it. I, I think that if we do go down and touch it one more time, it'll be another quick touch and, and go. We're gonna look, go. I mean, just look at the, like, again, volume is low overall for the last little bit, but look at how we exploded in volume when we did go down and touch it. Uh, we The only times we have that level of volume have been explosive movements. Uh, so I think that was telling us about that bottom. Again, it, there's a lot of different things going. I don't have time to close it, but I, I think yeah. if we don't hold that as support, I think 37 is a little bit too bullish to say that that's going to be the bottom. No, yeah. Just my opinion, though. Cool beans. Well, T-Shroom, you had something to say, and then we're going to wrap it out. Yeah. So this is my last stream for a while. Um, I will be going to military basic training where my body will be thrown through a gauntlet, and I will be turned into a meat uh, tenderizer. I won't be turned into a meat tenderizer. I'll be going through the meat tenderizer. Uh, Okay. By the end of it, I'll be anyway. Uh, So I really, really appreciate your thoughts and your prayers. I am a, a believer, and so I will feel those prayers as you are praying them. Amen. And um, yeah, I have really enjoyed being on the channel. I think what you guys are doing here, what we are doing here, is just phenomenal. And there's clearly you know a ton of support in the chat every single day for what we're doing and and uh, what yeah. we're behind and the sovereignty of the finances that we're I was about to say, we're getting some hashtag Finsovs in chat. F-I-S-S-O-V. I like that. I like that. Hashtag Finsov. 
That's some of your best work, Jeb, I gotta say. Real? Okay, I'll take that. That's a compliment. You know what some of your best works may? Somebody mentioned earlier, man, I haven't been here in three weeks, and I just tuned in, and Smay looks great. So shout out to Smay, by the way. Thank you. He is on a journey right now. Um, I don't know what you're... Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I want to congratulate you. You're like killing it, man. Brag on yourself a little bit. I haven't... It's been like a week since I've weighed myself, but last weigh-in, I lost 55 pounds. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh, dude. uh, 55 pounds... Uh, thank you guys. Thank you guys. I'm so thank proud you. of you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Can we get a hashtag proud of Smay in chat? I am so proud of you, man. You're absolutely killing it. Guys, I will not be here tomorrow. Tim will be hosting the show. As always, it's always a fun show when he hosts. He is an absolute legend for being able to fill in. So very thankful for him. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss him. Tim, do you have any thoughts before we Another, wrap it out? Well, just so you guys know, and those of you who have been following this channel for months now know this, every time that Jeb goes to his, his monthly planning meeting, Something explosive happened the day, the it's night true. before, it's or true. the morning of. So, guys, that's another reason why I think Bitcoin's about to do something fun. Uh, it, uh, without fail, every single time there is something crazy that happened, and Jeb's not here to talk about it. It's true. That literally happens every single, every single month that I'm gone. So make sure to check in tomorrow because we got some great content coming up for you. And by the way, episode three of Why Bitcoin's coming out Friday. You ain't gonna want to miss Ooh. that. I'm shooting it today. Really looking forward to it, guys. If you have not seen the series Why Bitcoin, and you're wondering why Bitcoin, or if someone in your life is wondering, why should I buy Bitcoin? I thought gold was better, or I can't touch Bitcoin. If anybody has any of these questions about whether or not they should be buying Bitcoin, then Why Bitcoin is the series for you. You can find it on the channel. We put dozens of hours into every single video, and we are absolutely excited about it beyond what words can describe. So make sure to check out that series. Also hit that like button if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel if you agree with our mentality of hashtag FinSolve, financial sovereignty. Before I go though, guys, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching as always and i will see you guys in the next video peace oh i got a real good feeling we hope you enjoyed listening to the coffee and crypto podcast tune in every day at 9 30 a.m eastern to watch live on youtube follow us on our social media accounts at crypto jeb and lastly we want to thank you for supporting us here at mcv media